Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your hosts, Jake Mendel and Josh House. Another Dolphins podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us. And this is a conversation I am so excited to have. Returning is Dustin Godin. You can find him on X on Twitter at Dustin Godin13. If you tuned in last week, you heard something about some bourbon, some lobster, basically the pregame event of the ages. And that pregame <laughs> event of the ages was followed by a 70-point outing by the Miami Dolphins. So Dustin. How's the come down been? Do you think you'll ever be able to come down from this high and recover and leave and live a normal life after dealing with a day like you had? Is this real life? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> like we, me and my family, we were at the game and we're like, we're used to being like the tailgate is usually like 10 times better than the game. We've been doing it for so many years now and we're just come to be used to that. And then like, we just looked at each other like halfway through the third quarter and we're just like, no way, man. <laughs> I've been to two games into Miami, and I think you were actually there for both of them. Um, completely different, but did it kind of feel like a 38 to nothing over the Chargers in 2014 was one game. I remember uh, we went out the night before. You hooked me up with two wonderful bottles of wine. I think there's still a picture of me just sitting there smiling, holding both of them. Um, but man, that was another scenario where the Dolphins burst out, and I think it was a 30-point game at halftime what's the emotion what's the energy like in the building once you reach that third quarter is it like everyone's looking at the clock are we still doing this or is the energy just as um i should say active as it was at the start of the game when tyree kill scored that first touchdown yeah no it was it was a very interesting um situation because like there was still a lot of cheering there was still a lot of um noise going on and um you know, it, it did kind of get to the point where like, oh, we're up by uh, 35 now and they there's another fumble and here we go, r- almost run it over back and now we're going to score again. And it, it kind of got to the point where like it was, you feel a bit bad for like Broncos fans, but also like you're kind of, it's, it's kind of hilarious and like a, this is ridiculous kind of way. <laughs> America's Funny so, Soul videos live. Exactly. And it, it got to the point where, like, after everything that – every little thing that happened and, like, went our way, we, we would just look at each other and, like, dumbstruck laughing and, like, come on now. <laughs> it's all you could do. That is all you can do when watching just, you know, you have Austin Jackson somersaulting into the end zone. I mean, you have Connor <laughs> Williams and Teron Armstead 15 down, 15 yards downfield being absolute units. Uh, when you saw Tyreek Hill score that first touchdown, um, what was your thought there? Just um, the offense looked so comfortable. They moved down the field. They knew exactly what they wanted to do, and they mastered it. Um, what was the thought of just that first drive, knowing that it's opening day, the energy's high? And I was telling everyone all week, Tyreek Hill, Tua, these guys want to make a statement right away, and they did just that. Yeah, so that, that one was actually kind of a fun one for me because as I'm watching it live, and and for reference, our seats are in like the lower section of the 300 level. So we get like that all 22 view, but we're not like in the nosebleeds. So we can still see like everything. Mm-hmm. And um, we're on the 50. So I'm watching that play and I'm like watching Tyreek specifically. And I thought Tua could have hit him on the on his first window, um, just right out of his break. Right, and I, I was like, "Oh no, he's not going to hit Tyreek." And he's looking at Chosen, and Chosen is like almost double covered. And then he like 
was like, nope, I'm throwing it over Chosen to Tyreek in the second window. And I lost my mind. <laughs> I saw someone, or I listened to someone, it might have been the Around the NFL podcast, talking about that play and the, and the safety. Um, I can't think of his name, but it was one of those plays where the way Tyreek Hill ran out ran around him that that's a play that makes you retire just the burst the ability just to kind of just glide right by was just beyond impressive um today we're going to talk about some key matchups between Miami's offense and the Buffalo Bills defense but before we get to those I I just want to get your uh, impression I mean watching this team live I think you reached that point in the third quarter where it is it's kind of laughable where you can't really take everything for of course the Dolphins scored 70 points it's awesome every touchdown matters and and is great. A chain stats aren't a chain, excuse me, his stats aren't going to change at all. Uh, but did you, what did you really learn on Sunday from Miami's just complete offensive performance over the uh, Broncos? Yeah, I, I think anything is possible is, is kind of what we learned. And there was a point in the, the halftime, me and my father, we were just walking around the, the stadium, um, just waiting for the the game this kicked back on and you know jokingly said to him I was like you know we're on pace to score 70 and then we were like oh yeah that won't happen that won't happen but you know we're on pace too if you just project the 35 out times two and but yeah they'll slow down they, they never slowed I mean they tried to slow down but it's the Broncos I guess so what was your dad's reaction as someone who's been a Dolphins fan for so long I think our generation is it's weird because I'm reaching the point where there was a five-year span where I was like the kid, like learning about being a Dolphins fan, looking, learning about the misery that was. Um, but I mean, being a little older, you saw Marino, you saw the undefeated season. What is his reaction and is how does this team inspire him, I guess I should say? Yeah, uh, he's a huge Tua fan. And just throughout the whole game, we were we were laughing and like high-fiving and, and, and doing like hugs and shit, like it was it was a really great atmosphere and uh you know after the game we're all talking there and we're like we can take on anyone like why not us kind of thing so yeah it's uh you know stuff we haven't seen since you know he was young so it's been so special and and that's why we love sports right it just kind of brings us all together and we can celebrate winning by 50 points instead of being trucked over by uh geno smith as he runs into the end zone (laughs) to keep you out of the playoffs Oh, that's that's not specific at all. <laughs> no, I, I'm not. I'm not mad. I don't know what you're talking about. So, Dustin, I thought today would be a great opportunity. I want to keep talking about the offense um, because the defense played well. The Broncos were held to 20 points. I thought Russell Wilson actually looked okay. But man, it's so hard not to talk about this offense. And it's Buffalo Bills week. Everything is very different, especially when you consider the Bills have won three straight AFC East titles. So. I'll let you step in front of me here. Where are we going? What are we talking about? Yeah. Um, so essentially what I kind of did when I was watching the Buffalo Bills this week is I kind of identified a player or, or or a player or couple of players at each level of the defense. Like, you know, who, what we should be looking at from a coverage standpoint, what we should be looking at from like a pass, pass protection standpoint, and also like a run blocking standpoint. Um, So we can start with coverage and there I kind of wanted to pinpoint um, it's kind of an unconventional matchup because usually you put like wide receivers against like defensive backs, but I'm going to go Tua versus uh, Micah Hyde. I like that. Are you you nervous? He just, just for some context, he has missed practice on Wednesday too. So it could be like last year. I think it was last year in Miami where both Micah Hyde and God, I feel who's the other Jordan Poyer. Both of them were. Uh, So so, so tell me, 
Micah, we didn't play uh, Micah Hyde at last year at all. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he only played the first two games. And, you know, so I, I keep seeing the sentiment, you know, among Dolphins fans on Twitter and stuff. And, we're, you know, we're talking about how, like, we almost beat them in the playoffs and we almost beat them. We almost swept them in the uh, in the season. And I'm like, that's true. But they didn't have Micah Hyde. And Micah Hyde is kind of one of those keystone players in that defense. Absolutely. Especially when you consider, I mean, if you go watch those highlights from last year, there, there are times where DeMar Hamlin was just absolutely torched by the Miami Dolphins uh, wide receivers too. You have a, a stud duo in Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, but one thing I look back to is that Patriots game where the Patriots used uh, three safeties. And as teams play the Dolphins, I think we're going to get a lot of like, oh, all you have to do is play man coverage. Oh, all you have to do is play three safeties. But it's never necessarily that simple. So how does Miami tax such a dynamic duo duo where I think Michael Hyde, Jordan Poyer, those are two guys you can have either of them be in the box and be pretty comfortable. You could have two safeties deep, be pretty comfortable. Versatility is the key with those two. Absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned that too, because that was one thing that I, I had noted is that while you know Hyde is traditionally like the free safety, he plays maybe, uh, uh, I don't know, 20, 30 plays so far this season mm-hmm. uh, lined up in a linebacker alignment in the box. Like he, he can, he can play the box. And um, we saw that last week on his interception against Sam Hell, where he just read Sam Hell's eyes on the out, on the outside uh, flag route and jumped it, got the interception, you know, and, and that's kind of one of the things that made me uh, identify this matchup is um, he's very good at, reading quarterback's eyes and two is very good at deceiving safeties with his eyes. So I'm very interested to see uh, how that matchup plays out in this, in the gamesmanship there, especially considering two hasn't played him since 2021. Oh, that's a great point, too, and something to keep in mind. Tua actually mentioned Teron Johnson as someone to keep an eye on, a slot cornerback for them. Obviously, yep. the big name is Tredavious White as that stud cornerback, but why did you pick the um, safeties over the cornerbacks? I mean, there's a big discussion to be had about man defense versus zone defense against this Miami Dolphins offense. Do you feel they're going to uh, attack this team with that press man coverage? I mean, we hear Sean McDermott coming out and saying, like, hey, we just got to go sign a couple of Usain Bolts and we'll be good to go. <laughs> yeah, I, I think right now, like obviously law of small numbers, you know, things can be uh, shifted around as the season goes. But right now, if I'm looking at what the Bills are bringing to the table, I'm a bit more scared of the over the middle type stuff with uh, you've got um, Teron Johnson, you've got Terrell Bernard, you've got Micah Hyde, like all three of those guys are going to be roaming over the middle there. And to my eyes, um, White and uh uh, Benford are not performing incredibly well this year. Um, I think White particularly is still playing fine, but not up to his like reputation. Um, mm-hmm. Similar to how I feel about X, I feel like X has a similar thing going on where his reputation is better than he's actually playing at the moment. But yeah. So to me, I think we need to be a bit more perimeter based this game. Uh, but yeah. So you kind of um, actually before I get into that, I, I just want to ask you one quick trivia question. Um, you mentioned Xavier Howard. Do you know what his passer rating was, or uh, Russell Wilson's passer rating was when he was targeting Xavier Howard on Sunday? Uh, offhand, I don't, but I know he threw the touchdown on him. So, and I, I know there was that 
pretty deep comeback on them. So I'm going to go 101. 158.3. <sighs> he was perfect when targeting Xavier Howard. That's crazy to me. And, and I think this is worth talking about it because I think of someone like Xavier Howard, he's never been like Revis Island. It's never been like just a lockdown corner. What he does is he'll get beat sometimes, but he'll also make you pay. It's the double-edged sword, the risk reward. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you keep that in mind and you think of someone like Xavier Howard and then transfer it to the other side, like Tredavious White, it kind of does make sense that they might attack the outsides. You kind of escape those safeties a little bit and you force Tredavious White to make the play. And I think the one thing the Dolphins have done really well with this offense is despite there being 11 players on the field, they isolate matchups and and focus on taking advantage of those, which is very impressive. And that's credit to Mike McDaniel and his ability to kind of identify, hey, we can win here nine times out of 10. Yeah. And I mean, the Buffalo Bills are going to look to be physical with us. uh, Teron Johnson said it in his uh, press conference, I think earlier today. Um, That's just, you know, they're going to try that stuff, but you know, I, I don't, I don't want to say the name of that motion that's going around, but uh, I think that kind of stuff will help get around their physicality at the line. Like you're not going to, you're not going to um, do a, do like a release punch on a receiver that's running full bore at you <laughs> kind of deal. Swinging a mess and you're doomed. Uh, what was yeah. your thoughts seeing, you know, you have Teron Armstead, right? massive massive human being lined up at left tackle when you're sitting there uh watching the game live can you even notice Tyree Kill lining up actually getting down into a three-point stance next to Toronto Armstead was that something you were able to pick up on or is that something you noticed after the fact you know I actually didn't even notice that play at all <laughs> there were a couple um, plays where where Tyreek would line up right next to Toronto Armstead he'd end up flaring out to the left but he was an inline blocker at the start of play from my mind <laughs> yeah, no, um, I haven't fully watched the uh, the the replays yet because I don't know about you, man. But when we come off of like such a dominant win, like even for myself, there's less motivation to be cr- critical of the all twenty two and and all these th- things. And I think that's probably how teams, you know, fall into like the the lull after a big win. Like we saw it after the Miami Miracle and. Um, stuff like that. So I'm just hoping that the team doesn't rest on their laurels and be like, yeah, we're good. Nothing to fix. (laughs) Cause that's how I feel right now. I'm like, what do we need to fix? Yeah. We're averaging 11 yards a carry and a bajillion yards per reception. I mean, there's nothing, nothing else to go from here. I do like that matchup and it was really impressive to see Tua against the Patriots because that's kind of how I think about it, how it's going to go. When you look at Tua's spray chart against the Patriots, um, Dustin, I don't know if you're a big SpongeBob guy, but there was a line where Patrick's talking about just taking everything and moving it over here. And it kind mm-hmm. of felt like the Dolphins legitimately took the middle of the field and either just moved it to the left or right based on the scheme that they were seeing on the other side. Yeah, I agree. And the other thing I will say just about Tua in the, in the defense game, like obviously his, his poise and his footwork was incredible and in some of the throws he made was incredible, but I also do feel a little bit like his uh, his stats in the game overshadow like his technical difficulty in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I'm, like, how can I say this without people thinking I'm saying Tua didn't play good? Because that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> he was uh, 16 for 16 in the first half with a perfect passer rating. 
Um, right. And I think that's kind of where the conversation starts because when you were seeing him operate, like uh, there were some open players, they knew how to beat the Broncos, but 16 for 16, I think his projected accuracy was 80% on those throws. So just filling in that little bit, it doesn't seem like a lot. Yes, they won by 70 points, but when you're in a game that's like 24 to 27 and you can just move the sticks by you know, increasing your average just a little bit, that's where it comes in. So I, I totally get what you mean where he was just so impressive and, and you look at the numbers, it really doesn't tell the story about how he still had to work to move this team down the field a little bit. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm trying to point out, though, that like I felt like the load that he had to carry was less than usual, but he still put up insane stats. Like I get that, yeah. Like our running game, we're, I don't, you know, two is not used to having that behind him. Um, and so when when not only are you up by so many points and you start letting the, the foot off the gas in the passing game, um, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm just saying he didn't have to do as much as he usually does, but the numbers are still there. And usually it's kind of the other way around. Everyone kind of assumes it's all yak, it's all Tyreek. This is a scenario yeah. where I think when you score 70 points, it's kind of got to be like that where it's got to be the yak. It's got to be some broken tackles. So no, no, I, I get what you're saying. And, and that does make a lot of sense where hey, think about back to the Ryan Tannehill years. How often were we able to say, yeah, Tannehill didn't play well, but I mean, 309 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, no sacks. I mean, yeah, we'll take it. Cause I, that, that yeah, not many. <laughs> <laughs> there's not many that we got three touchdowns. Dude, oh man, I just remember that Broncos game. I think it was 2013. He went toe to toe with Peyton Manning. I think the Dolphins still lost, but I was like waving my flag at that, like, "Hey, we almost <laughs> did it. We almost did it." And here we are sitting yeah. here, five touchdown performance for Miami quarterbacks. It's just blows your mind away. What's your next matchup you got for us? Yeah, so the the next matchup has to do with um, pass protection, and it has to do with uh, Jackson versus the combination of Leonard Floyd and Greg Rousseau. Mm -hmm. I like that one quite a bit. Leonard Floyd also missed practice on Wednesday. I think he's dealing with a knee injury, but I think a lot of people have doubted Austin Jackson. Have you seen anything in the last couple of weeks where you're starting to get a little hopeful or are you in more of the uh, a group that, hey, it's the scheme to it gets the ball out really quick and we can make everyone look pretty good otherwise? Yeah, so I've been and I continue to be more on the scheme side. Um okay. But I will caveat that by saying I think that really it was a week one performance that was not very impressive for myself and a week two performance that was good and then a week three performance that was pretty darn good, um, at least in pass protection. Um, the thing is this game is going to be the litmus test for me um, because – uh, I hinted at it, you know, I think last week about how much we're shading Hunt over to uh, Jackson's side and how the speed of Tua's release is um, also helping. Well, this Bill's defense has some dudes on the interior and Connor Williams' status kind of being day-to-day -day up in the air. We may not be able to afford to shade Hunt to the to the right tackle all game like we kind of have in um, so far through the season. And that means we're going to see more one-on-ones for Jackson. And the one thing about Jackson is in, in true pass sets right now, he is his grade for true, true pass sets is 13 points lower 
than every other offensive lineman on our team. It's a 49. And I can see, you know, I didn't really, I haven't really watched too much the last game, all 22, but in the first two games, I can sort of see why it's a 49. He's, he's kind of struggled when left out, uh, you know, one-on-one, um, particularly on outside uh, shading. So like this, uh, the seven to nine technique players. And that's the thing with this game is, is uh, Rousseau and Floyd, they play like 80% of their snaps at that seven or nine technique. So um, if Jackson is playing a lot of one-on-ones and he's doing it against a lot of seven or seven to nine technique lineups, this is going to be the litmus test. Can he, can he do it? Because Hunt is going to have to help with Ed Oliver on the interior, uh, especially if Connor Williams is out. Like that's going to be an interesting uh, matchup. Not trusting Liam Eikenberg? What do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> Ed Oliver, you mentioned him at the middle at defense. Um, Von Miller, explosive pass rusher. He is recovering from a knee injury, so he is out. A couple names to also keep in mind. They won't be as starters, but. Old friend Jordan Phillips, he's a disruptor in the middle of that defense for the Buffalo Bills. And Shaq Lawson. Yeah, good year, but... Yeah, it was, it was actually surprising because uh, Jordan Phillips kind of seems like, like uh, you know, I was mentioning the risk versus the reward of Xavier Howard. Jordan Phillips really feels like that type of character where some plays are going to look really, really bad where he's going to overcommit and running lanes are going to be wide open. And other plays, I think he could eat five offensive linemen and come back for seconds. So it's it's mm-hmm. one of those weird situations of, I think the Bills might have that advantage at the defensive front, but is there anything you're seeing from this Miami um, offensive line that makes you think that, wait a second, wait a second, we just need a second to get this ball off? Yeah, I think it's all going to come down to, uh, like, to me, the the key is can Connor Williams play? Mm-hmm. Um, if Connor Williams can play, then I believe we can keep, you know, hunt with an eye on the outside or the or stunts to inside and it's you know stunts are going to happen no matter what so he's got to keep an eye out for that stuff anyway but it's about percentage of attention right or priority of 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 uh priority of assignment and so it goes from being like oh watch you know on this play watch the uh the three eye uh gap but keep another eye over here but if Williams is in, maybe they flip that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm There's... a little bit, oh, I'm getting, I'm to, I'm to the point where if Connor Williams plays, I won't be that worried about it. But if he doesn't, it's going to be a huge litmus test and for, for Jackson. And if, if Jackson can keep to a clean in this game, I'll be ready to be like, give him his flowers kind of deal. Who has been sacked once this season? If I put the over-under at one and a half sacks against the Buffalo Bills, would you take the over-under on that one? My prediction is two. Two? I. It's it's just so hard because there is that little bit where, like, we've watched these players for so long, and, and don't get me wrong, the numbers have been great. Austin Jackson's been good at the right tackle. Robert Hunt's done his thing. Isaiah Wynn's been awesome. I don't think he has a lot of pressure this year. But there is always that little seed of doubt that, hey, this is the Miami Dolphins. They're not allowed to have a good offensive line. <laughs> Yeah. And, and really, I mean, like going, like 
if you watch that Washington Buffalo game from last week, how many sacks did they get on Sam Howell? And obviously Sam Howell doesn't process at the speed of Tua and get rid of the ball. It was like seven, I think. Seven and like 14 <laughs> to six. See, I'm messing up the Washington and, and the Denver Broncos because Wilson entered Miami's game being hit like 14 times. But yeah, it's about the same for um, Sam Howell. Yeah, hit like 16 times, sack seven, and, and he refused to get rid of the football too. That's another thing. That Bill's defense had him very confused. Yeah, I definitely don't think we get sacked seven times, but I, I definitely think, you know, a slight over on the one and a half. I like that. I like that. I think that I think that's very, very fair. Uh, Dustin, what are you feeling for this last matchup you have? Yeah, so the, the last uh, matchup. Oh, wait. Uh, some of the things I kind of wanted to also kind of point out, too, is uh, that um, Rousseau and Leonard Floyd they are performing really both pretty well in just their generic pass rushing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But Floyd in general scares me a ton because uh, most, most pass rushers tend to increase their, their stats and their performance and their win percentages and all that kind of stuff when you go again in, in true pass situations. So, you know, the ball's been held onto for longer than three seconds. It's one-on-one. It's not a roll a design rollout. It's not play action. That's what is, you know, defining a true pass set. And so those are all conditions that favor uh, a pass rusher getting to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And so you would expect a little bit of a jump, but the jump that, uh Leonard Floyd sees when you go from um just overall to TPS is from 9.3% in win percentage to 14.3% in win percentage and a 14 in pass rushing productivity to a 19.6 pass rushing pr- productivity which is essentially um like a, it, it's almost like a win percentage, but it's weighted for pressure, like uh, for sacks and hits. Um, so it, it's just insane what he's, and a lot of that is coming because he's lining up at like outside linebacker in the nine technique and can get a running start. And it worries me. How will Jackson um, respond to having to kick out so fast and then provide a proper punch and then ride it out to the edge? Um, we'll, we'll have to see. What have you seen from this Dolphins defense or Dolphins offense, excuse me, in terms of true pass situations? Because I think one thing McDaniel's done a great job is even if it's like a third and six, I think a run is still on the table, different things like that. Um, it's easy and it might be a little lazy to say the Dolphins just have to be unpredictable, but how can you take advantage of someone like Leonard Floyd knowing he's going to be aggressive, get that running high and start and just really try to get to the quarterback from that, um, right side of the line? Yeah, I think on, on, you're going to have to do hot routes. It, mm-hmm. it, like, two is going to have to bait them to come in and then kind of uh, toss it over them into like a, a uh, what's the term? Uh, uh, like an over the shoulder window type thing? Is that what you're looking for? Or? No, it's a, it's such a simple word. <laughs> it'll it'll come to me. Um, but like a jail, a jailbreak or something like that. It, yeah, it's a type of, yeah. 
Screen, screen. Oh my gosh, brain work. <laughs> hey man, you don't. If you got, you got to keep playing Madden, otherwise the word screen just goes right right out of the. <laughs> but um, no, but I, yeah. My, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was gonna go with the third. Yeah, go. I, I I like the idea. I think Austin Jackson for the entire year, just knowing that the fifth year option wasn't picked up, knowing that he's about to be a free agent, knowing that he's still so young, all those things. I, he's just such an interesting topic where. I think he could become great would be a surprise, but I think he could become a very good right tackle and everyone would be like, all right, kind of makes sense. Or he could kind of fall off the cliff and everyone would also be like, yeah, that makes total sense too. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the last matchup is um, how their middle linebackers, uh, Milano and Bernard uh, match up against, um, you know, our running backs as well as, uh, and you can even throw Teron Johnson in there because he's been fantastic against the run this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, Milano has five tackles and assists. He has missed two tackles, but he's got four stops already. And Bernard has six stops already. Like they're they're a force of a duo against the run right now. And we're gonna have to. I think we're gonna have to do some. Uh, you know, hope for feeling the edge on some outside zone uh, in our game plan. I, I don't think we're going to have the uh, the inside zone or like draw success that we had against Denver last week. Um, so we might have to get a little bit more back to our roots uh, in our run game this week in order to have to find success, I think. I'm going to be wrong about this, but I picture Matt Milano as like a souped up Kiko Alonso in a way where it's just this really physical like he's gonna barrel through everybody in front of him no no questions asked just really just that missile attacking that um offense just just right right in the front of their face type thing um so how do you attack something like that how do you pick on something like a Matt Milano knowing about that physicality knowing that he is decent in coverage can be one of those guys that uh can really lead a defense yeah, I think it, it's, it, it, you know, in true, like, uh, cliche fashion, you have to give it to some of the guy to the, to the guys up front. I mean, Daquan Williams and, and I mean, Daquan Jones and Ed Oliver up front in front of those two guys, that it really helps those two guys be sound in their gap um, assignments and, and be able to read and react and just shoot gaps. Uh so we're going to have to do we're going to have to muddy that up a bit. We're going to have to make their decisions a bit harder to determine, hey, do I hit the B gap? Do I hit the A gap? You know, stuff like that. When we do want to run inside, when we want to or we got to do a decent amount of um trickery from either uh you know, Tua does a fantastic job of this, but the way that he does handoffs and he completely turns his back to the line of scrimmage and stuff. It really fools linebackers into thinking we're actually getting rid of the ball when he's going to like his hip flip is insanely fast. It boggles my mind, but like he'll, he'll completely like flip his hips and then just throw the ball. So we'll have to do that enough times to get in their heads that, Hey, you can't be shooting it because you don't know for sure. That's what's happening. The dolphins, passed the football much more than they ran the football last year. Um, I think they were bottom three, maybe bottom five in terms of just um, running, rushing opportunities. They've been much Mm -hmm. more balanced this year. Uh, 
Shaking that crystal ball of yours after 60 minutes in Buffalo, um, does Miami run the ball or pass the ball more in order to beat the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, I think I think we're gonna have to pass it a little bit more. I think we're gonna have to it'll probably be like a 57 pass percentage. Um I think we're just, you know, at the end of the day, you have Josh Allen on the other side of the ball. And while we we made him in the Bills offense look kind of pedestrian in the playoff game, I I don't know exactly what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen against those guys. They could go off. And so I also don't have, like, in my brain memories of how that offense fares against um, – like Fangio style defenses. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's one area that I would continue researching, uh, you know, before the game, but um, I think we're going to have to play a little bit of, of uh, shootout in order to keep the score going up. I completely agree with you. I think if it sounds like Jalen Waddle will return for this game, I think, I think this is his like, Hey, I'm here. It's 2023. I have arrived type game. I think Jalen Waddle's um, very much due um, I'd like to hear your thoughts real quick before we wrap up here, just to kind of flip it to the other side. Um, I know we were all talking about the Dolphins offense, but I mentioned that stat about Xavier Howard, that 158.3. He's not that bad. He's nowhere near that bad. It's just more of no. one of those wow stats that you share to get some attention, and it provides a little context, but you forget about the next day. Cater Coe, who has been absolutely awesome, right? I think quarterbacks targeting him are completing most of the passes, which – on the surface might be a little scary, but then you look at the receptions. I think Kohu's averaging like four yards per reception, given up something like that. He's been a sure-handed tackler. If you're going to pass the ball his way, it's got to be early on. You look at the duo of Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis. The basic football fan in me says, Xavier Howard's your best cornerback. You put him on Stefan Diggs, the best wide receiver. However, I'm starting to think that Cater Kohu might be one of the better possession cornerbacks in the NFL, just limiting those explosive plays. How do you think the Dolphins match up, considering that Kohu can be a sure-handed tackler against someone like Stephon Diggs? And then you got Gabe Davis, who is that downfield runner, where Xavier Howard likes to take his chances, where that matchups, or both those matchups, I should say, seem a little better, even though it sounds a little weird on the surface. Yeah. Well, number one, you know, even going back to the this last game that Buffalo won, I don't think the offense looked like a world beater when it was going to anybody else other than Stefan Diggs. So right now, Diggs is someone you need to limit. You're not going to stop him, but you need to limit him. And to answer the question about Kohu, Kohu is an interesting case study for me because he plays a lot of his snaps outside and he plays a lot of his snaps at, at slot as well. And when you look at him playing in the slot, I think he's allowing like a like a 90 passer rating in, in the slot. And that sounds like it's not that great, but you have to keep in mind that like 60% of the NFL's offensive plays run through uh, like slot receivers or uh, tight ends and stuff like that. So he's he's in a high target area and he's doing well. Um, and slot cornerbacks tend to have slightly higher passer ratings allowed. So it's kind of pretty decent, pretty, pretty impressive that he's able to do both. The question is, can, can we just say, Hey, go up against Gabe Davis and, you know, 
or go up against Stefan Diggs and, and follow him around the field. I'm not there yet. I still like him in his, in his flexible roles and um, as like a, a zone prowler. Um, but I'm very optimistic about him. He's been so impressive to watch because, you know, it, it's one thing, you know, you, someone knocks down a pass, you get them like waving mm-hmm. or even even if they aren't even involved in the play, they'll still hit them with this acting like they uh, had an impact on the play. But just seeing Kohu as a tackler has been impressive. I go back to that Jets game last year, week 18, where Kohu had a pretty big role. Joe Flacco offense, it was very much dink or dunk. Uh, and earlier in the season, Kohu really struggled just getting washed out in the running game. I, I don't blame him. You're a slot cornerback and you're facing guards and tackles. It's going to happen. But just the physicality we've seen and, and just that tone has been very, very different uh, for Kohu. And I, I think that's been pretty impressive to see. One final question before I wrap up here. I'm sorry I keep doing this to you, but Dawson Knox, Dalton Kincaid, tight ends have always plagued the Dolphins. They've always just been wide alone in the end zone as long as I can remember. Um, so how do you feel about the safety group, Jerome Baker, David Long Jr. merging into his own, keeping up with that group where those are the guys, Dawson Knox, Dalton Kincaid, who should be the safety blankets, especially if a defense is uh, paying extra attention to someone like Stephon Diggs? Yeah, um, I think tight ends tend to have a kind of a slower progression from draft to star. Um, so I'm not, I'm not terribly worried about Kincaid at the moment. Um, Knox, he's a bit more set, settled. And as much as I'm not the biggest Baker fan, I think he can handle that role uh, of, you know, covering um, Knox. And I think the, 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 the results are still out for uh, David Long in coverage, but um, he's on the weak side most of the time anyway. So uh, I think I think we'll be okay. Um, but you know, there's the longtime Dolphins fan in me that just says tight ends are our nemesis. So yeah, I'm glad you can speak to my uh, my inner fears there. I, I greatly appreciate that one. Uh, Let's let's wrap it up here, Dustin. Two final questions. One, where's the vibe at? How confident are you being a Dolphin fan who's seen everything just crumble around them time and time again? And then uh, we'll wrap it up with your score prediction. I'd love to hear that as well. Sure. So general vibe, I'm going pretty darn excited because, I mean, if you can't, if you can't get excited about putting a 70 burger on a team, even if you feel that, you know, I, I know there's probably some sentiment around the league that, you know, it's the Broncos defense and, you know, the Broncos defense got, you know, kind of torched by uh, Sam Howell and the commanders as well. And then, then you saw them go against the real defense in Buffalo and look what happened kind of deal. Uh, so there is probably some of that sentiment, but you know what? Something has happened that hasn't happened in 57 years. I feel like I'm reading like Lord of the Rings right here. <laughs> uh it's it's insane. Um, how how do you quantify a fifty point you know win when the upper is seventy points? Like you're doing something right. Um, of course, you know there's that two percent of me that is a battered Dolphins fan that is like, yeah, we could be. You know, it, it, it could turn around, but I'm feeling pretty good right now. I got I gotta squeeze it out of you. Let me let me get that final score. Zero uh, zeros oh. on the clock. Yeah, so 
I'm going to go, if we're going to win this game, I'm going to go, or even, let me think, let me decide if we're going to win this game. That's the key. Yeah. That's <laughs> Because it is so yeah, tough, and be, being 3-0, and I mean, and, and as humans, our nature is to look at what's happened and assume it's going to happen again. Um, the right. Buffalo Bills have won three straight AFC East Division titles, but, I mean, you got to be riding so high on this Dolphins team. And then there is the 2% in the back of your head that's like, well, actually, we did this last year, too, don't forget. But 70 points, right. man, it truly does change everything. It does. I'm going to go 30-27 to 27 Dolphins. Like it, I like. I think it will be in reach. I I think it will be one where you do see the jabs go blow for blow back and forth. There won't be any team get too far in front because I do think this will be a game where both sides pull out pull every lever possible. I the Dolphins are three and zero. They do not have to win this game. X Twitter will explode if they do lose this game. But mm -hmm. the Bills, the Bills are two and one. They don't if they lose the season isn't over. They need to make a statement. They are due to make yeah. a statement. Remind everyone we are the top in the AFC East. Expect everything, excuse me. Expect everything to be jivey. Expect everything to be very weird. Uh, but overall, man, I, I hate to say it. I, I think I'm leaning the Dolphins. I think the confidence is starting to boil in. And yeah, 31, maybe a 24. I don't want to rely on Jason Sanders to be involved with this game whatsoever. So I'm gonna ignore <laughs> having field goals be too involved with it. How do, you, how do you feel about the uh, the conspiracy theory that McDaniel didn't uh, get the uh, the the all time points record because he didn't want to ruin Jason Sanders' confidence? Oh my God, man! If think about that. Not only that, imagine if the Dolphins went for that kick and it it was <laughs> and he missed and he just flat out missed. Like, dude, you're up fifty. You went for a field goal and you missed and. and I think it was like relatively a gimme. It wasn't like a mm. surefire field goal, but I think it was one he would have hit no problem. I want to say we were on like what the twenty-five or thirty. Oh, man, dude, if he missed that, if he missed that, I'd feel like the Dolphins are zero three. I think. Yeah, I will have to go back and check the exact uh, yard uh, yard line, but I th I don't think it was like a fifty-seven yarder or anything. It, I'm actually gonna look it up right now, real quick, just because I'm curious because I. Dude, that would be the most dolphin things ever now that you bring it up. Imagine just going for the kick, lining it up. We're going to forget the Yanks being outscored by the Rams, 73 to whatever. I mean, we're, we're going to do it with the Broncos, and then to miss that field goal um, would definitely be something. But, man, I, I'm so excited to be able to do things about this and just talk about the Miami Dolphins in a positive light because for so long it's been so funny to just kind of roast this team and all the embarrassing things they've done. Denver's 27 long, 27 yard line is where that was. I hope you appreciated my stall. Uh, yep. So yeah, I was about right. 25 to 30 is what I originally said. <laughs> you got that all 22, man, from that, from those seats, you have it all locked in. You already know this stuff. You don't even have to pay for game pass. Well, you know what it is, is I've got like neck memory. Like I, I am I looking right or am I looking left? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> at Dustin Godin13. Dustin, my friend, it's been a blast talking with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. We always appreciate the insight, and we're very much looking forward to the Buffalo Bills. So thank you so much for joining us, and until next time, fins up.